This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 204, recorded on Monday, March the 2nd, 2015. Oh, crap. Is it March already? It is now March. Wow. January and February flew by, and it is March. Um, that uh, that intro came off a little more um, um, Dr. Nick than I sort of expected it. Hi, everybody. That's right. <laughs> is he still around in The Simpsons? I don't know. I haven't watched The Simpsons in a long time, but if he is, well, he was when I was watching it, and that's what he sounded like to me. Oh, Dr. Nick. He gave away Kansas-shaped jello molds. That was nice. <laughs> good for him. Good for him. I just remember his good friend, Mr. McGreg, with a leg for an arm and an arm for a leg. That's right. That was funny. <laughs> that was pretty good. Anyways, um, I I sound like Dr. Nick because I'm excited and I'm happy. Unlike super super excited and super happy? Yeah. Or just sort of excited and a little bit happy? No, I, I'm, I mean, I don't know if I'm at the super level yet, but I'm excited and happy, unlike usual. And that's because... The podcast award nominations were announced last night. Last night? They were. Finally announced last night at 9 p.m. And guess what, Jason? Well, I'm guessing that if you were happy and super excited, uh, that maybe we got maybe we got a nomination. We got our nomination. Nice. In the entertainment category, The Talking Dead is nominated. Uh, it's kind of funny. Because we are nominated amongst a bunch of other great podcasts, including two of our friends, <laughs> uh, the Walking Dead cast, of course, nice, and good. the Walker Stalkers. Well, that's good. That means there's a really uh, a really active community out there, which is nice to nice to see. An active Walking Dead podcast community, that's for sure. Um, it's all Walking Dead all the time in this category, which isn't really true because there's uh, ten podcasts I think nominated. Um, we are three of those. Well, we are one of them. Us and our friends are three of them. Us are three. Yep. And, uh, but it's exciting. It's exciting. We get to, we get to, um, bug people to vote for us now, which is going to be really good. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. So how many, uh, sorry, how many entertainment podcasts are there, like, uh, in total that got nominated? Do you know? Ten. Ten. Yes. Did you say that already? I did. I, I had to count it while I was talking, though, so I wasn't sure if I got it right. But I counted it, and it's 10. Um, and three of them are Walking Dead podcasts. Yeah, that's right. Uh, there's some other good ones in here. Rob has a podcast is in there. Uh, there's one called Star Wars in Character, where they go and delve deep into, like, a single character in the Star Wars expanded universe. Oh, nice. And that's pretty... And get to know that character. Um, there's, do, they name the, do, they, do they name the episodes... To, about the character, so you can go and pick and choose and say, I really want to learn about Admiral Fiat. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't listened to them, but I went to their website earlier today and just read the description, so I don't know. That's awesome. Good idea. Uh, Taylor Talk is in there, a Taylor Swift podcast. Oh. So we could be up against some serious competition there. There's an awful lot of Taylor Swift fans in the world. And then The Blacklist Exposed, which I, I think is about the TV show The Blacklist. So Right. TV show, um, TV show podcasts are well represented in this category. Three out of ten, Walking Dead. That's crazy. I know, I know, and uh, we're gonna win it. Well, yeah, 
Nah, who knows? I would like to. I don't know. It would be fun, though. Um, so here's the deal. First of all, when we asked people to nominate us, one of the things we promised is that if we get nominated, we would arrange another Ask Us Anything podcast. Yep. So that's what we are going to have to do. Uh, we'll make that announcement soon, as soon as we can. We haven't had time to figure out when we're going to do it yet or what the details will be. But the basic idea is you can ask us any question you want about The Walking Dead, about our lives, about, you know, any anything you want. It's going to be not really necessarily Walking Dead or TV related. It's just right. sort of a chance to get to know us a little better. And we did this once before, and it was really fun, so we thought we'd try it again. And uh, like I said, we'll figure out when we're going to do it and how you can send us questions, which will likely just be email <laughs> or or, right. or phone calls. Um, <laughs> right. And then we'll uh, get that recorded and get it out there as soon as we can. So that will be fun. I just hope some uh, none of my old friends find out about that because they'll know what questions to ask, right? Right. And that could be uh, quite interesting. In that case, I'm going to tell all your old friends about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they still won't listen. Oh, well, probably not. Um, anyways, that'll be coming up soon. We'll try to get that uh, arranged arranged soon if we can. And the other thing is, like I said before, you guys need to help us win this thing. So that means we need everyone to vote for us, which means going to podcastawards.com and submitting your vote. Now, voting can take place every day. Uh, I think for a two-week period, but I, it doesn't say that on the site, so I'm not 100% sure when voting closes. However, I do know that voting opens tomorrow, March 3rd. So get your voting hats on. And, I have uh, a voting hat. Oh, good. It's in the closet. I'm going to go get it tomorrow, and I'll, uh, I'll wear my voting hat every day. Good, good. If Jason's wearing his voting hat, everyone, he, you know, you're going to have to you know, step up and, and vote because... Yeah because of the hat. Um, anyways, starting tomorrow, you can vote for us every single day by going to podcastawards.com and uh, helping us nail this thing down. So I'll remind you, I'll post this on Facebook. We'll talk about it probably on every podcast we record during the voting period. So um, hopefully you don't get too annoyed with us, but it would be so fun to win. And if we did, we could, we could, you know, give all the credit to you fine folks, the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. As deserved. So it's going to be cool. Let's uh, let's hope it all comes together. And if we don't win, well, hey, we can say we tried. It's an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> That's what everyone says, right? <laughs> yeah, and it is. I feel honored to be nominated. It it really is. It really is very very cool. You know, um, it's it's exciting. It's exciting. It's a good thing. I'm going to call my mom. Yeah, yeah. Well, get she, her to vote for us. She, yeah, she doesn't really use the internet. Oh, you could, just say. you could talk her through it. No, it, let's put it this way. She has an email address. I check it for her and let her know if there's anything interesting that she needs to deal with. Wow. Yeah, very wow. My grandma's on Facebook, and we text all the time. Well, you can get her to vote for us at least. Oh, yeah, grandma will vote for us. Sweet. All right. Everyone get you and your grandmas to vote for us, and uh, it will make me very happy. We'll talk about yeah. more. We'll talk more about that as the uh, as the weeks go on. But voting opens tomorrow, March third. Okay, Jason. Without further ado, let's get into this week's recap of um, the Walking Dead season five, episode twelve. And uh, here are the title reads for this week. This is 10% Rick, 20% Kills, 15% Fighting for the Right to Live, 
95% walkers, 50% pain, and 100% reason to remember the grain. Remember. 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 All right, so the first one, I'm going to do this real quick. The first one was Alex on the internet, and that was a parody of a song called Remember the Name by Fort Minor that he wrote and performed. Nice. Very cool. Next was Jim the Trucker uh, with Leonard Nimoy saying remember in honor oh. of Mr. Nimoy's passing. That was sad news. It was. Uh, the next one was Matt in Delaware. Uh, two clips there from a song called September by Earth, Wind & Fire. And the second one is from an inspirational speech in the movie Remember the Titans, apparently. Right. <laughs> then we had uh, Debbie in Campbell, California. And then Justine in California. So uh, thank you to everyone who sent those in. This whole title read thing is is becoming a bit of a thing. It's fun. It is sort of fun. And anytime you can uh, throw in Earth, Wind, and Fire in any podcast is uh, all right with me. I love my Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Now you know what's going to happen now. What? We're going to get nothing but Earth, Wind, and Fire clips for the rest hey, of the Hey, no problem. Let's just turn <laughs> the podcast over to Earth, Wind, and Fire, and that would make me happy. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I just wanted to say that thank you to everyone who sends those in. Sometimes it's, I just think it's getting kind of crazy how, how many we're getting. If we don't play yours every week, uh, I apologize, but I just, I'm going to just choose sort of a few and do them because we're getting more and more. And I mean, it's awesome and everything, but we could be here all day playing clips from other songs that have the name of the title in them. So <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Good times. All right. And then one more note. Before I start my recap, this episode is, you know what? I'll save this till the end. Remind, okay. remind me to do this note at the end. It's more appropriate at the end. I don't have a pen. Well, just use your brain. All right. Okay, so remember is this episode, and we pick up right where we left off uh, last week with the group approaching the gate to Alexandria. And on the way in, Carl looks and he sees a girl in a window, and... Michonne passes in front of his view and the girl disappears. Ooh, scary. Very scary. As the gate's opening, Daryl, you know, a possum jumps out of a garbage can. Daryl turns around and shoots it with his crossbow, picks it up, and he says, we brought dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good. <laughs> it is nice to bring food to someone else's house. Yeah, you always bring a gift, right? A bottle of wine, a freshly killed possum, mm -hmm. something, something. Yeah, as long as it's something, it's really the thought that counts. Bag of party mix. That's right. They uh, So he grabs that possum. They walk in, and Nicholas is there, and he asks them to turn over their weapons. Right. Because that's always what happens when you walk into someone's new house in the zombie apocalypse or new community. Right. And that's why, uh, you know, that's why we, uh, as a society, developed shaking hands to make sure that we didn't have any knives up our sleeves. Oh, really? Yeah. That's genius. Yeah. That's it. It's a pretty good idea. That's right. You can't hold a gun and shake hands with someone. If you do, there's a good chance that person's getting shot. Yeah. So in a couple of hundred years, we'll uh, we'll say hello by frisking somebody. Hello. <laughs> and then you pat, pat them down. And pat them down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, people already hug sometimes. That's almost as good. Yeah. Okay. So they walk in and, yeah, turn over their weapons. Now, Rick resists, of course, because he is prone to do that sort of thing. Um, but Aaron steps in brought them there and he says you know what they can talk to Deanna first it's okay these people I trust them right and then Sasha kills a walker through the fence 
and uh, we go to the opening credits. Yeah. So, so far, Alexandria seems pretty nice. Yeah, then, you know, the inside of the fence that we've seen in the uh, street looks pretty good. It does. It doesn't seem like there's a ton of people around, but there's a, you know, few here and there. They're all hiding in the windows. They are. That's uh, hiding and disappearing in the windows. Yeah. Okay, so they, after the credits, we cut to Rick in Deanna's house. And uh, Deanna seems to be the leader of this here organization, so she's going to meet everybody. Right. They sit down to have a talk, and she asks if she can film their conversation for transparency. Which is just, you know, in this day and age, it's a little weird. It is. I mean, if you're being interrogated by the police, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be filmed. Yeah. If you're doing something else, if you're, I don't know, sitting, it's, it's weird. You're right. It's definitely weird. Well, and the fact that they have the capability of recording something is also, you know, a little weird. It is, um, but Alexandria seems to have everything they need. Now, we get into that a little bit in their, in Rick and Deanna's conversation. Um, and we learn a lot of information in this conversation here. So some of the things we learn is that Deanna is previously a congressperson. Not a governor. No. She's but in, a congressperson. She's in Congress, that's right. And, you know, she asks Rick what he did in the past, but he's reluctant to tell her. And she goes on to say that Alexandria was a planned community. It has its own solar grid. It has cisterns. It has sewage filtration, all these sorts of things you need. It, it was a community that was sort of planned to be standalone, it sounds Self-sustaining. Like. Yeah. Self-sustaining. And that's good in the zombie apocalypse. It is, yeah. Um, she said her family was trying to get back to Ohio to manage the crisis, which is which is interesting. Yep. And the army stopped them and sent them here to Alexandria and then basically never came and picked them up again. Right. So it sounds like they've had it pretty easy. Well, they've been like, in here the whole time. They've never lost power. They've always had sewage. Yeah. Well, they didn't have sewage, but they had sewage treatment. Mm-hmm. They had, uh, you know, hot showers, cold cucumbers. Sounds nice. It really does. <laughs> yeah. Um, she talks about her husband, who was an architecture professor, and he was the guy to first start getting all of the metal plates up around the place. Right. She's mentioned something about a shopping mall. Is that what uh, they were building? Yeah. She said they they were building a mega shopping mall nearby, and I guess they had a lot of building supplies there. So her architecture yeah. professor husband was able to take those and start transforming them into walls. Yeah, which is handy. Which is very handy. And she says within weeks, they had a community running. Now, Rick's group, she says, is the first one they've taken in in a long time. And uh, it's because, she said, Northern Virginia was evacuated. She said millions gone, hardly any living or dead were left. So that's interesting to know, too, that this part of the world or this part of the United States during the early days of the zombie outbreak was there was an attempt to evacuate it and save people, which makes living there now potentially safer because there's not that many walking dead hanging around. Yeah, there wouldn't be a, a huge herd uh, kicking around there because there's no place for them to, like there's no zombies to, to congregate. Yeah, it would have to travel from somewhere else, which is totally possible, but, yeah. you know, it's um, it's it would take a lot longer. It would take a lot longer to gather up all the zombies and uh, it's not going to start right in their own backyard, though. Right. 
Um, Rick, you know, talks a little bit about what he's had to do and so on. And Deanna says she's had to do things too. She had to exile three men at one point, which effectively killed them. Right. So she's gotten her hands dirty when necessary. Um, now Rick reminds her, he talks about the people that are out there and he says that you shouldn't be opening your gates to people because this day and age, they're always looking to take advantage of you. Um, and he thinks bringing people into this place is a bad idea. And he talks about how he's killed lots of people in order to keep his family alive. Um, he's kind of talking about the same sort of stuff that we've heard a lot from him lately about, you know, doing these things to survive and so on. But he's just reiterating his point. Right. And, um, you know, she tells, Deanna responds that, you know, if, if that's what you're doing to save or prevent your family from being hurt, then I want to be in your family. Right. I want to be on your side. Yeah, that's right. I don't want to be, I don't want to be your enemy, you know, right. doesn't sound like that ends well for them. So, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, after Rick, from Rick's point of view, it's after they get in that you don't want to let anybody else in because it's bad. But I don't think he's saying don't let us in because, uh, you know, you can't trust us. But, uh, you know, maybe on a little little level he's saying that, but I don't think he's actually saying that. No, but I think I think on some level he kind of is. He's saying, you know, he's telling her that you've – any anywhere that you have and that you want to live and survive, you you can't let people in, like – you don't know who they are. You don't know what they want and what they're going to do to you. And like, he's not saying send us away. Yeah. But he is kind of saying you're lucky for surviving this long. If indeed you're bringing people in. Yeah. It reminds me of Groucho Marx where uh, he said, I would never join a club that would have me as a member. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good analogy. Yeah. Um, now uh, he, he, um, What's next? What? Oh, he reveals that he's a sheriff at this point. He feels more comfortable with Deanna, so he says, I was a sheriff. Yep. So he's opening up to her a little bit already. So we cut outside, and everybody is out there surrendering their guns, and they're told that they can take them wherever they want outside the walls, but in here, we store them for safety. Right. Which, you know, it kind of makes sense. You don't want to have firearms all over the place. Yeah. Uh, no, you, you wouldn't think so. Um, especially maybe not that many. Now they didn't seem to have to surrender knives or crossbows. Well, no, you just need, you know, uh, weapons of mass destruction surrendered. Not you know, individual murder weapons are fine. Like if you want to murder one person, that's okay. <laughs> if you want to murder 10 people, you know, we don't want to, you know, give you the means to do that easily. You're going to have to sneak around at night and stab people in their sleep one at a time. Right. If you want to kill 10 people. Okay. So knives are okay because it's a little harder. That's right. <laughs> All right. Very good. Um, so everyone surrenders their guns and then we cut over to a scene where Aaron is introducing Rick and Carl to the two houses that the group can have. So not everyone gets their own house. Everybody right. gets to move into two sort of big fancy houses. Yeah. Which looks they look good to me. And he makes a funny joke about if you need anything call me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have phones? No. No, no, we don't. Uh so Carl and Rick go inside. They pass by a bunch of empty picture frames and what I took away from that was that these houses have been cleared out and any um anything left over from the previous tenants or residents yeah. has have been, has been removed depersonalized that's right i mean you which is what you it's the same kind of thing you do when you're getting ready to sell your home 
right? You you depersonalize it so that uh, whoever the perspective, prospective buyers can see themselves there and don't feel like they're looking at somebody else's house. Yeah, that makes that makes some sense. I mean, if I was buying a house, I would want to. I think I would want to get the feeling that it's being lived in a little yeah. bit. I mean, it's called staging. Like you stage a house, but you you take a lot of personal stuff and you put it away. Like books on shelves are fine, pictures on the wall are fine, but all the knickknacks and crap that you have along the lining the edges of your shelves, you put all that stuff away. That's funny, actually. That it, I think it depends where you're from. What what constitutes staging a home? Because I know in this neighborhood, people move out absolutely everything. They put all their furniture in storage. The house is essentially empty when come, people come to look at it where I live, which I think is weird, uh, to be honest. I would much rather go in, or if it's not empty, sorry, they put in like neutral furniture yeah. that's brand new. But I, if I was buying a house, like I said, I'd want to go in and be like, oh, look, someone actually lived here. There's there's stuff on the walls. There's, you know, Yeah, but things. if you, you know, if you, it's not your taste, you're going to look at it and go, oh, that's ugly. I right? know. So you paint everything in earth tones and you get rid of your, your uh, ratty old couch and you rent another one and stick it in there. And so it's nice and uh, looks nice and clean. And it's like, oh, this, and you know, it's, it's, uh, you get kind of a minimalist thing going on. So it looks like there's lots of space and you don't have like, uh, you know, a room full of newspapers. Mm-hmm. You know, no. you walk into a room full of newspapers, no matter how lovely that room is, you're like, oh my God, it's full of newspapers. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, but but if I love ratty old couches, then, you know, just leave it there for me. That's true. And, you know, if you are looking at a house and you see a ratty old couch and you're like, you know what? I really want that thing. And if it has bed bugs, that's even better. Would you mind leaving that for me if I buy the house? And they'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. sure. For uh, you, Chris, I'll leave the bed bugs. Good. Anyways, it looks like that's what they've done to this place. It's very clean. It's very neat. It looks like a, just a very pleasant place to live, this house in Alexandria. Mm-hmm. And so Rick, he goes upstairs. Um, he has a shower and he shaves his beard off. Yeah. So the big Rick beard is gone. And I think my wife had the best line of the evening when we were watching this. Mm-hmm. She turns to me and says, hey, look. It uh, Rick Grimes just went back to Andrew Lincoln. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because, and I sort of had the same feeling, although I didn't. It didn't really um, coalesce in my mind as well as that. You know, I was like, "Oh, Rick Grimes, he has the beard." As soon as he shaved it off, he looked so young. Yep, and just very Andrew Lincoln-y. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to remind myself that no, that's Rick Grimes. Yeah, isn't this what Shane did before he went crazy? Shaved, shaved his head and shaved his beard. He got all clean shaven, and uh, then he went a little nuts. I think maybe he cut his hair. Yeah, yeah. Well, he after he killed Otis, he uh, he got himself all freshly shorn. Oh, well. Hopefully, that's not a sign of things to come for Mister Rick. Yeah. Anyways, Rick is all nice and cleanly shaven now, looking all good. And there's a knock at the door, and he answers it, and it's Jesse. And she has yeah. brought a bunch of supplies over. Hopefully, he brought. A, she brings him a shirt because he's not wearing a shirt at this point. No, he's not. Well, maybe she did. I don't know. Or he just. I put can't his... remember the last time I answered the door without a shirt on. If you looked like Andrew Lincoln without a shirt on, you might consider might. it more. I might. Yeah. Nobody wants to. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> just nobody. <laughs> You're not one of those guys that's going to walk around the city in the summer with no shirt on. Nope. No, me either. <laughs> uh, but but if. But, you know, Andrew Lincoln, he can get away with that. Yeah. So she offers to cut his hair, Jesse does, and he kind of reluctantly accepts. 
And while they're having their haircut session, uh, Jesse reveals that she has two boys. I think she says Ron and Sam. Right. And she wants to introduce them to Carl. Yeah. Which is, nice. which is nice. Carl needs some friends. So now we cut to another clip, another interview clip. So throughout this episode, we get um, short clips of all or, or many of the characters being interviewed by Deanna. Mm-hmm. This is basically their audition process. Right. It's Yeah. So I, I thought this was a little uh, reality show-ish, right? If, you, if you're ever watching uh, Jersey Shore, which I know you do, uh, you know, they have, uh, you know, all the different stuff in the house. They have all the cameras in the house where everybody's going crazy and drinking and uh, having sex and, you know, throwing things at other people and stuff. But then they have the interview, they cut the interlace interview where they're looking right at the camera going, man, I hate Wow. She's such a real bitch. So I think you've mistaken me for you <laughs> when you when you're thinking about who watches this show. Oh, just because I know what what's going on with the Jersey Shore or what happened on one particular episode? I have never, never seen an episode. So do you know who Wow is? I've heard the name, but I don't know who, who she is. Snooky's friend. Snooky or and he. Is Wow a he or a... It's, it's a her, I think. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, doesn't matter. Um, what we're getting here, as I said, is little clips of other the other characters' interviews, their auditions to get into the, into the community. Right. Um, that being said... I mean, is Deanna really going to accept some of them and turn some of them away? I think it's more like she's basing her decision on Rick. Like, if Rick was turned out to be a real prick, then maybe she'd send them all out. But I don't know if she yep. could get away with with keeping some and not others. I don't think the group would go for that. Well, I'm not sure Daryl is uh, the kind of fitting into a planned society kind of guy. Mm. So... You know, if you if you taking Rick is a good thing, uh, taking a lot of these people are a good thing. But I, I'm not sure she's going to be so comfortable with uh, with Daryl. Well, this is his interview that we're seeing, and he's all standing up and restless, and he won't sit down. So, and if I'm not mistaken, I think he's still holding the possum. He is holding the possum, <laughs> and uh, I was kind of hoping through this whole scene that uh, that she didn't own a cat because if she owned a cat, you know, we got lunch the next day. Yeah, that he's going to offer up. I'm just like he couldn't leave the gross dead possum outside or something. Why would he? I mean, if you have uh, if you're out in the wild and you shoot a possum in a zombie apocalypse and you put that possum down and you take ten steps and all of a sudden you get uh, you know six or seven uh, walkers coming at you and you got to run away, that possum you know even though it's only ten feet away might as well be on the moon. So you keep it with you because it's you know it's life sustaining sustenance. You can't uh, you can't put that down. So he's keeping it with him just in case he's got a bolt. Well, Daryl knows what he's doing, so yeah, that must be it. Um, but that's all we see of his interview. He barely even says anything, and then we see him outside skinning the possum on the porch of a house. And Carl and Carol go to check out the house next door. Carol seems kind of skeptical about everything. And uh, she comes back outside because they don't really find anything in there uh, at this point. They, she comes back outside and then Daryl and Rick talk to her and they mention that they took our weapons and they're splitting us up. Right. So they're not sure if they can trust these people. And Rick decides that they will sleep in the same house that night. Everyone's going to cram into the living room in one house just so they stay together. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, now, still inside the second house, Carl is there, and he hears something thumping upstairs. Hmm. So he goes up slowly, he draws his knife, and he bursts through a door where he thinks he hears the thumping, and he ends up in an unfinished room on the second floor of the house, 
and there's a bunch of CDs on the floor and markers, it looks like, and other stuff strewn around. And he picks up a magazine with the word wolf fight on the back. Right. Remember the wolves? I do. So another another reference to wolf in this yep. season. See where that goes. And uh, there appears to be a rope ladder going out the window. A rope with knots in it. Well, yeah, that's like a rope ladder, isn't it? Well, a ladder would have like rungs. A rope, you know, a rope with knots in it is just a climbing rope. Okay, a climbing rope. There's a climbing rope going out the window. So somebody was up there, but they're not there now. Right. Uh, we cut to nighttime and everyone's gathered all in one house. They're getting ready for bed. Michonne comes out from a 20-minute toothbrushing session. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you haven't brushed your teeth in a long time, you're really going to scrub those suckers hard. Yeah, you are. And you're also going to look like a vampire that just fed. Because if you haven't brushed your teeth in a long time, your gums are going to bleed. Especially if you floss. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you'd look like uh, you'd look like Eric the Vampire after uh, a nice meal. Yes, sir. Blood dripping down his chest. All kinds of goodness. Yep. That sounds gross. Uh, she comes out and inspects Rick's clean-shaven face. Yep. Everyone seems to be shocked by Mr. Mr. Rick's clean-shaven face. I don't know why he's Mr. Rick this episode. I just feel like that's what we should call him from now on. Well, when you're when you're that Rick, you call him Mr. Right. When you're bearded Rick, you're just Mr. No, you're just Rick then. You're just Rick. All right. Um, and they agree that they should they should uh, play it safe by sleeping in the same house, but she says she has a good feeling about this place. Right. So I do too, frankly. I have a good feeling about Alexandria so far. Seems nice. Generally. It's got, it's got walls. It's got houses. It's got running water. It's, it's everything you need to be comfortable in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, Deanna comes to the door, and she's surprised to find everyone in run, one room. But she talks about them being a family and how amazing it is that, you know, these people from all different walks of life can come together this way and be a family. If I was guarding this house, you know, if I was, there's how many people are there, right, in the, in Rick's crew there? Do you know? Uh, you have a count? 14 or 15. There's quite all a few. Right. So you have 14 or 15 people hanging out in a house and you're, you want to guard the place. Uh, would you put somebody on patrol? Like maybe somebody on the front porch or maybe somebody just kind of wandering around the outside of the house? You'd probably put at least two people out outside, right? Yeah. Everybody's inside in the in the same room and she comes to the door and they open the door and they're surprised to see her. You know, if it were if it were me, she would have had to have gone through at least a couple of people before she got to that front door. Hmm, that's true. But I I mean I guess do you think they're just feeling a little bit comfortable already? No, I just I think that it was a plot point and Right. But I just, I think they, they, you know, from a realism point of view, I think they missed it a little bit. The thing is, even Daryl spent most of this episode sitting out there on that porch. And even in this scene, he was sitting looking at the window. So maybe he saw her coming yeah, and was like, oh, it's just her. She's going to knock on the door. Everything will be fine. Okay. So uh, I want to challenge you. It's nighttime now that the uh, the sun has gone down. When you're, when you're done this podcast and when I'm done this podcast, go to your living room, turn on all the lights. And sit by the window and look out the window. Okay, well, and then then on Wednesday, report back how much you can see. Okay, all the lights were not on in this house. They were. Like in the living room at that scene when when she came into the house, there was lights on. They were sitting by windows with the lights on inside the house. You can't see shit if there's lights on inside the house and you're looking out the window. No, that's, that's, that is how light works. You're right. I don't know, man. I'm just trying to say. My recollection is that it was dim light in there, but you probably have it open in front of you right now, don't you? 
It was, there was lights on. There was uh, right. like, okay, just turn one lamp on or two lamps on, you know, not really over, like don't put up work lights or anything, but, uh, you know, just regular evening lighting. Mm-hmm. Go and try and look out the window and tell me what you can see. I can see the glow of the street lights. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about it. Anyways, let's move on. Um, she's, Deanna's there still and she talks about giving everyone a job. So she's coming up with jobs for everybody and then she says she doesn't have a job for Rick and Michonne yet. Sasha, she is working on and she says she's trying to figure out Mr. Dixon. Well, he's obviously the possum shooter. Right. So he should, that's what he should do, right? And maybe in his interview process, he talked about squirrels too. So maybe he's the possum squirrel collector. Every community needs one of those. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're gathering food, you might as well. Uh, all right, we're at night now. It's night. Everyone's asleep except for Rick. He can't sleep. So he gets up, and I believe it was pretty dark. I can't tell, but I believe he throws a blanket over Michonne as he gets up and walks away. I thought it was Carl. Well, I'm not sure. Maybe him and Michonne and Carl were all sleeping nearby each other. Right. It, Carl makes more sense, absolutely. But I thought it kind of looked like he put a blanket over Michonne. So he's Carl Michonne. It could mean different things there. Well, he's just taking care of them. You know, it's cold out. There's a blanket. Kick them off. Mm-hmm. Just cover people up. It's just being a dad. He's being a dad. Good for him. So he goes into the kitchen, and he takes a large knife out of a kitchen drawer. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And then we cut away. So what was he doing there? He was arming himself because uh, he doesn't have a, a gun anymore. And, you you know, I guess in the back of your mind, when you're wandering around the zombie apocalypse, you're always looking for weapons. But doesn't he still have his machete with him or something? Why did he need to go and pick that knife out of the drawer? I don't know. Maybe he wants to hide it in a blender someplace. <laughs> He's like, I saw a blender in here. I'm going to put this knife in there just in yeah. case no one will find it. Yeah. You know, hide weapons all over the place just in case. Yeah. Okay. Well, why not? When we come back, we are in Michonne's interview. She's sitting there holding a copy of Crime and Punishment, mm-hmm. and she says that they are ready for this place. So she's basically saying, you know what? This looks good. We're ready to move in. Please take us. Yeah. Which is what she wants to do. Um, It's morning next after this, and everybody goes out to explore Alexandria. They go for a walk. And Rick's there, and after telling Daryl that him and Laura used to dream about living in houses like this, he goes walking as well, but Daryl stays. He refuses to leave the porch. Right. Rick gets out to the street and can't find Carl, or anybody for that matter. Doesn't look like there's anyone around. He gets a little bit panicked, and he starts running, and he crashes through some sort of metal hanging thing that we don't know what it is at this point. And then suddenly Jesse appears and he takes Rick, or sorry, Jesse takes Rick to Natalie and Bob Miller's house is their name. And there they find them playing with Carl and Judith. Yeah, that's nice. It is. And Rick apologizes for breaking the owl sculpture. Jesse says it's an owl sculpture. Which Okay, you have time in the, this particular community to make sculptures, which is nice. Maybe that's her job is to make owl sculptures. Well, they sell them and trade them with, uh, you know, the community down the way. Yeah, maybe they, they said, she said that she's making it with the kids. So it sounds like it's, it's a kid's project and she's just helping them out with it. Maybe she's teaching them welding so that they can work on the walls when they get a little older. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, um, Rick had no idea what it was when he broke it though. So he's sorry for that. Uh, all 
right. Next, we've got Carl being introduced to Mikey um, and Enid by Ron. So he's met Ron. He's met Jesse's son. And they go to see Mikey and Enid. Right. And they decide to play some video games. Yay. Now, Carl, um, he's pretty... Uh, well, he's nervous and a little unfriendly at first, but he he decides to play the games with them. But I mean, you can understand, you know, he he hasn't. This feels very normal, I think, to him, which hasn't been a part of his life for years. Yeah. On uh, the other thing is, he dis- he discovers that it was the kids who were up in that room in the house, and they say they go there to listen to music and hang out and stuff like that. It, it strikes me as they're uh, in a room right now hanging out and listening to music. So why do they need another spot for that? Well, every kid, t- teenagers like to get out of the parents' house. You know, they like to think they have their own space. It's like a clubhouse kind of. I guess so. Right? I'm sure you did something like that when you were younger. Oh, yeah. It's where you went to smoke and drink when you were 12. Smoking. <laughs> Man, smoking was great. <laughs> uh, but Enid, she's here, and she seems rather unfriendly and distant. And one of them, I think Ron says, you know what? She'll warm up to you. It takes her a while. She didn't say anything yeah. for three weeks when she got here. Yeah, she's very standoffish. Yes. Um, we see Carl's interview now, and he's talking about having to kill his own mother. So that's pretty heavy. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and then Carl in a bedroom in one of one of their houses, I guess. And Rick comes in, and they have a conversation about the people living here are weak, and they're complacent. And Carl's worried that if they move in, they will become weak. Well, it's a very real concern. You know, they've been uh, they, they've been honing their skills over the last couple of years, and they they got to stay vigilant. And uh, this community seems to be very relaxed, and they're relying an awful lot on those walls. They are. They're relying on the walls and the fact that there's no not many people around, like living or dead. And they kind of it sounds like have had a pretty easy life so far since the zombie outbreak. Yeah, and I guess that worries Carl, which. Like you said, fair enough. I mean, something can go wrong at any time. Something bad can happen. And if you're not ready for it, well, you're screwed. Yeah. Uh, And now it's nighttime again. So it's our second night in Alexandria. And Michonne gets up this time, but Rick is already awake. So he's not getting a lot of sleep, this guy. No, I guess not. And they talk about not having jobs yet and being a little uncertain about this place. Well, what kind of jobs do you think that they're going to get? Well, we find out later. They do find out later. Do you think they have like, uh, I guess there's, uh, what kind of jobs would they have in Alexandria? Let's just speculate on that for a little bit. They they would have uh, farmers. Somebody's got to do some farming, right? You'd think there'd be people growing food, yeah. Or gatherers. That's so they need people to go out and get stuff, mm-hmm. bring it back. Mm-hmm. They would have uh, wall builders, unless they're done with the walls and that's it. I guess wall maintainers. Wall maintenance people, sure. Yeah. Um. They have running water, so therefore I would assume they have electricity, so maybe an electrician would be good to have. They probably have a variety of tradespeople, electrician, basic carpentry, things like that, that you just need to do repairs on homes and whatnot. Yeah. Right. We have uh, owl constructionists. (laughs) Of course. Your owl sculpturist. We have uh, porch sitters. Mm -hmm. Those people on the porch hanging out with uh, Carl and Judith. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else do we got? You need people to cook, chef. Oh, yeah. Food. Food preparation. Food prep. I guess everybody can do their own food prep. Everybody has a kitchen, right? Well, maybe. I mean, Carol comes, we find out later, is going to be cooking for old people, she says. So it sounds like they have people that at least help out in the community. 
with that those right. kinds of tasks. I don't know. I just it strikes me as that uh, you know how many people are in this community? Do we find out ever? No, not really. And one thing I noticed watching this episode is that it doesn't really feel like there are many people around. To be honest, you never see. Like it felt like Woodbury was way more populated than Alexandria is. Yeah. So we've seen what eight people, something like that. Yeah. Other than our intrepid uh, our intrepid heroes, which we know there's fourteen or fifteen of them, we've seen eight of the Alexandriaites. It might not be exactly eight, but yeah, it feels like we've seen less of them than our group. Yeah, it just that strikes me as odd that uh, a community that small would have specialized jobs. It would just I, I would think that it would be generalist kind of thing, right? Everybody kind of fending, doing things that they would need to do. Every you know, collect a little community group, like say a family or people living in the same house would have a little garden, and they would trade their garden stuff with other people. Like if you grow tur- turnips and they grow carrots, then you could do a trade kind of thing. Yeah, I think, but I think what we're supposed to feel here is that there are more people around we're just seeing a a small subset of them what are they hiding well i that's the thing that's how i felt watching this i'm like okay maybe they're trying to indicate that maybe there's hundreds of people here i don't know but we're not really seeing them out on the street and i just wished i kind of wished while i was watching it that there were just more people in the background more people hanging around i mean i know we saw someone walking their dog at one point and occasionally there were background people and like the old couple that Carl was meeting with, with Judith, you know, they didn't have a line. They were just sort of there and so on. Um, but I did get, I didn't get a very populated feeling about Alexandria. Yeah. We also didn't get a town center either, right? Like there's no no community center or school. Everything was just houses and streets. The kids referred to school though. They talked about going to school. They said it was in a garage. Oh, that's right. That's right. So they younger kids in the morning and them in the afternoon. So I'm I'm just like if it's a planned community, you know, you'd probably plan for a school or some kind of rec center or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a pool. That'd be cool. A pool? Yeah. Maybe there's a pool with like a, a a gym or something. That'd be neat. Yeah. I mean, maybe they have all these things. I don't know. But I I felt like watching it that we didn't get a feeling for what Alexandria was really like. Yeah. I just felt like Woodbury had way more personality to it to be honest than this does but maybe we'll we'll get more of it in the upcoming episodes i don't know but it's a it's a good point that you bring up because i felt the same way yeah all right sorry to derail the the, what is this a flashback no what's it called what recap recap there you go (laughs) um so they so rick and michonne rick decides to go for a walk in the middle of the night all by himself which they should be doing the whole time (sighs) well maybe take a buddy though yeah, always take a buddy. You know, buddy system. I mean, you never go skydiving without a buddy. You never go swimming or scuba diving without a buddy. In the zombie apocalypse, you don't go for a walk without a buddy. Even when you think you're inside the safety of steel walls. Right. So Rick goes out by himself, and uh, he goes past uh, a house, and there's a guy sitting out smoking on the porch, and he says that, um, my wife cut your hair. So this is Jesse's husband. Right, and they have cigarettes in this community. Well, yeah, that's that's good, I suppose, for the people who like to smoke. This is you know, this is going to be big for Daryl because he's been hoarding cigarettes. That's true. So uh, now we can get a carton of smokes. That's right. He can, and he can. I don't know. Maybe he can trade them for other stuff. That'd be cool. Um. Anyways, this guy sitting on the porch is kind of creepy. Just the way. Yeah, he-, he seemed a little pissed off about his wife cutting Rick's hair. He does. He, I mean, he did, but I just thought his, the whole, the way he was sitting there and he didn't really 
get up or anything. He just didn't offer his name. No, he's just creepy. Now I believe his name is Pete. Um, I looked up the characters and and Jesse's husband is Peter. So Pete, according to Aaron, unless this is a different Pete, is the talented surgeon that they have. Oh. So he's the talented, creepy surgeon. That makes sense that he smokes then. <laughs> right. Cause, well, because the, the profession the, that has more smokers per capita than any other profession is like doctors. Really? Really. That's a fact? Well, it's a pretty close to a fact. Okay. It's a Jason fact. Oh, well then. I, I think doctors smoke a lot of... Do- and the uh, the most suicides per capita is dentists. I've heard that before. Yeah. It's because you're staring in people's mouths all day long. <laughs> I think a lot of doctors smoke. So it makes sense to me that the surgeon in uh, Alexandria is a smoker. Okay. Well, let's let's go with that. Probably find out more about him in an upcoming episode, I think. Um... So that's the it for that scene. We cut back to the house, and we see Rick, and he appears to be sleeping, so I guess he came back from his nap, but suddenly he opens his eyes. Yeah, and there was music until he opened his eyes. Did you notice that, the the score in the background? it was uh, There was, like, background music, and then as soon as he opened his eyes, the score stopped. I think that was probably just to punctuate the eye opening, maybe, and, and make us it pay was. attention. But it, it actually, that kind of thing happens to me. And I don't, I wanted to ask you is if, if it happens to you where you're sleeping and it's just, it, I, it's not really music, but it's just, you have this, uh, you know, inner harmony where you're sleeping. You're having a good old time sleeping. And then all of a sudden something disturbs that harmony and you wake up and everything just seems like you're hyper aware. Mm, you, ever, you ever get that feeling? Not really. No. Oh, okay. So maybe it's just me then. Yeah. This exact thing where it feels like there's music in the background and all of a sudden it stops and you're awake. Uh, that kind of feeling has happened to me and this, this reminded me of that. Interesting. So it was a good portrayal of that feeling on screen. Right. Cool. And this is, uh, it, and this is the, uh, you know, the inner harmony that everybody strives for is that, you know, to have this uh, perfect harmony going through your entire life. And then every every once in a while, something will just come in and screw with that harmony and just completely be discordant with uh, your inner harmony and mess things up. Right. And my friend Scott put it really well one time. It's like you're walking through your own private uh, music video and every once in a while, somebody comes in and screws with the music and stops the music and he just gets you pissed off. Well, I think moving into a community like this is the kind of thing that would throw off your harmony. Yeah. Or, the secret to life is to not let anything screw with your harmony. Everything fits within that harmonic uh, lifestyle. All right. And that's the secret to a happy life, eh? That's right. Yeah. So Rick got uh, his harmony got screwed up and he woke up. Yeah. All righty. Um, but we cut over to Carol's interview now. Now, Carol, is she's doing something here. Yeah. Carol is doing something. She is not telling the truth. She is not being Carol that we know. She is playing a sort of good housewife character. She says things like she misses Ed every day. (laughs) She might in some weird kind of way. Yeah, but not in the way she's describing. She is playing a character here. I... I mean, is she thinking this gives her a better chance of of getting invited into the community, or is she just, or is she working an angle? Like, what's she doing here? She's playing a, playing a role, you know. She's telling uh, she's telling her what she thinks she wanted, what she wants to hear. Uh, I don't think this has any real basis in reality. I think, uh, yeah, she's she's faking it. 
she's yeah. got the she's laying the bullshit on. But to what end? Just to just to be invited in? Like they she thinks, well, they might they might like nice people better than whatever I am now. Well, they said that uh, it was an audition process, and yeah. this seems like it's an audition process. So she's auditioning. This is a job interview. This is, uh, you know, you don't go into a job interview and tell the truth all the time. No, and, 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 and bullshit to your life's content. Right, and uh, an audition is all about playing a character too. So yeah, I think it's I think it's just interesting. She says that she can work in the community and that she's a real people person. Yeah, <laughs> which I guess isn't. <laughs> Our, I can our, teach all your kids about knives she, and stabbing people. They're not. She's and if not, you've got little girls, I'll stab them too. She's not lying. She is a people person. She yeah. likes to light them on fire. <laughs> she's also a little stabby. She's a little stabby. That's she's true. She's a little stabby. Um, we were then back over at uh, the main houses where we're living. Carol comes out and now she is all dressed up. So she's not <laughs> only playing the part, she's dressing the part too. Yep. This outfit looked weird on her. Oh, so weird. So weird. It's And I mean, you know, she talks to Daryl and he even says, she says, I'm going to cook for old the old people. And he tell, she tells Daryl to clean up so they can keep up appearances. So she's hoping the rest of the group, you know, plays a role too. And he says that she looks ridiculous, which I agree. <laughs> yeah, she kind of does. All right, we go to Glenn. She doesn't have her knife with her either. Did you notice that? Doesn't have, well, maybe it's hidden under those slacks. It could be, but uh, I would, uh, I you know, if I was, I don't care where I'm going, I don't care what I look like, if I've got a weapon, I'm taking it with me. Yeah, it's true. I don't know, I'm thinking maybe she's got it strapped to her thigh or something like that, or, right. or maybe ankle. It's a big weapon, I don't know if it's uh, ankle <laughs> strappable. Maybe not. Uh, we go to Glenn's interview, and he's very serious. He says that they need to make this work, because we were almost out there too long. Yeah. They almost lost it. But really, he means I was almost out there too long because I flip-flopped back and forth about what I wanted to do for so long. But now we're here, so we got to make this work. Right. Uh, okay, so now we see Rick, and he's going outside the gate. What's he? Hooray! What's he doing? Why would he be leaving the safety of this town right now? He's walking the wall. He wants to walk around the community and see what the outside wall looks like mm -hmm. and uh, just check things out. Yeah, so he continues to do that. Carl is in the house, just looking out the window. For once, Carl stayed in the house, and he sees Enid, and she goes over to the wall, and she climbs over and sneaks out. Yeah. Interesting. We cut to a scene with uh, another character, Aiden, who we meet, and he's with Nicholas, the guy from the gate when they first came in, and he invites Glenn, Tara, and Noah on a supply run, or at least a dry supply run, just to go out and show them the ropes a little bit. Right. Uh, we cut back over to Enid. She's walking through the forest. And of course, Carl is following her. Well, yeah. Because, come on, why wouldn't you see someone climb a fence? Why wouldn't you just climb over and follow them too instead of staying at home in safety and not worry about it? Right. Because this is TV land and that's what characters do. Um, they hear something and she starts to run and Carl loses her. So now he's out there by himself. Uh, we go back over to Rick. He is walking along. A walker comes out of a barn some distance away, and he decides to ignore it. He lets it live, and he walks away. Yeah, why bother? Yeah, I guess so. Why risk yourself to go and take out one walker? Yeah. And he comes back to the house where he hid the gun in the blender, and it's gone. Somebody blended that gun. That gun has been blended into a million pieces and made into a smoothie. 
That's the only explanation I can think of. Yeah, it must be. Uh, while he's thinking about that, though, four more walkers come up behind him. He gets ready to fight them, takes his knife out, gets ready to fight, and then Carl shows up. To help out. So now it's father and son fighting the zombies here. Together they kill all four, um, but one comes out from under the junk pile and grabs Rick's ankle, but everything's A lurker. Okay. Huh? A lurker. Yeah, that's right. Everything is okay, though, because Carl spikes it in the head. Mm-hmm. Now, I tried to keep track here, and I thought it was interesting that Carl killed four walkers in this scene. Rick killed one, although to be fair, Carl and Rick stabbed one together at the same time, so Rick kind of got two. Um, but but actually, Carl did most of the walker killing in this scene. He's come a long way since uh, he killed that first zombie in the woods there. Yeah, he definitely has. He doesn't seem afraid at all. Like, he's very competent with the killing now. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, is in this scene, there was a great shot of the two of them just preparing and getting set as the walkers approached with their knives out camera sort of pulled or pushed in on them, two of them a little bit. And it was, I thought it was just a great setup shot of father and son preparing to do a little damage. It was, it was excellent. It was very well done. Uh, All right. So we're out with um, Aiden and Glenn in the group now. And Aiden says that they've been 53 miles in uh, circumference around Alexandria on supply runs. Fun. So they've gone pretty far. They have, yeah. That's a long way to go on foot. Uh, well, they wouldn't, don't, aren't necessarily on foot all the time, but I just think 53 miles in a... I think he says semicircle around the place, so they've still been pretty far. Right. Um, they are... They're talking about their system, which involves breaking into groups. They, flares are used to alert if the other group... Uh, if a group gets in danger. And, it, and he says that they lost four people last month who didn't follow the system... And he said, uh, if you're on this crew, you do as exactly as I say. So he is the boss, right. according to him. Um, now, they come to where they have strung up a zombie who killed some of their people, which seems strange. But the zombie is gone, and they start whistling to attract it, which seems even more strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like they're trying to punish it. Like, you've been bad, mm-hmm. so we're going to, uh, we've, you know, pronounced sentence on you to you know, be tied up here and we're going to, you know, come and beat you every now and again. It just seems kind of ridiculous. It's a little ridiculous. And Glenn and Tara agree because they can't believe what they're seeing here. You know, they're like, it's gone. Why are you trying to attract it back? But what they're trying to do is they're trying to recapture it so they can hang it up again and torture it some more, Um, which is ridiculous, as you said. Uh, but anyways, so they get into a scuffle with this thing. Its skin starts peeling off. You know, it's Ugh. gross. They can't get a good grip. Tara gets in danger because she gets close to it and it's trying to get her. And then Glenn jumps in and stabs it in the head. And at this point, Aiden gets really pissed off and yells at Glenn. You killed our zombie pet. Yeah, which, like you said, just makes no sense. Um, and Glenn and Tara are like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? So back inside the gate, they've come back now. Aiden says, you know what? You guys aren't ready for runs yet, and uh, you're not going to be part of this team. Um, They get into a big confrontation here. Glenn says, you know, I think you've got things backwards. He's questioning Aiden's leadership and plans and says that if people listen to him, they're just as screwed as his last crew. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Like, way to insult the guy. Yeah. Um, But I think he's absolutely right. Like, this guy's an idiot if he was stringing up a walker to go and punish it for something it did. Yeah, and it just it's it it 
really sets up the the difference in mindset between these two groups, right? The people in Alexandria are really, they really are complacent. They, they see a zombie, what do you do with it? Oh, you string it up and you use it as a toy, right? And it's, no, it's, it's you, you have to survive. It's uh, in our group of intrepid heroes are hardened survivalists now. And you just, you don't fuck with these things. You kill them and you move on. Yeah, and I guess that's a symptom of there not being that many zombies around there. Like, if you go days without seeing one, you might not actually realize or have the fear in you, right? If if you don't yeah. see them that often, especially if you only see them one at a time, right? Well, you don't see too. them in large groups. Like, uh, you know, you have six people and one zombie. Uh, you know, you, they're not. It's not really a danger, and you get a little bit complacent, and eventually, it'll kill a person every now and again which it seems to have happened mm-hmm. so uh yeah they're really complacent and just not really hard no and they don't know how to handle it right it's like they it killed someone like what do they do well they don't they don't seem to have come to the realization that well these things are pretty dangerous um instead they've gone the other way and they thought well we got to punish this stupid thing it killed our friend you know yeah um, so Deanna, she comes up, they're kind of about to fight these two guys, Glenn and uh, Aiden, and Deanna comes up to break it up. Aiden takes a swing at Glenn, but Glenn is ready. He ducks and then he punches him down, which yeah. I thought was fantastic. I was like, was awesome. go Glenn, man. Yeah. Um, Daryl has shown up at this point. He dives on Aiden to keep him down. And then Rick, uh, has now gotten back and he runs in and pulls Daryl off. Right. So Temper's simmer down a little bit and Deanna interestingly she defends Rick and the group says they are part of this community now whether you like it or not so I guess she's officially decided to invite them in and she then offers Rick the job of constable constable go figure the former sheriff is now a police officer again yay constable on patrol that's right and Michonne too so Michonne and Rick are going to be a uh, po- a police partnership here in Alexandria. It's going to be a uh, a buddy cop movie. I think it might be. They both agree to their work. Michonne seems very happy about this. And uh, as things are, as people are leaving, Deanna thanks Glenn for knocking Aiden on his ass and because he needed it apparently. And then Daryl walks away looking all pissed off. Yeah. Because he's just not a happy guy. Um, we get another clip from Rick's interview now, and it's something we've seen, we saw before near the beginning. He's talking about it all being part, all being about survival at any cost and stuff like that and saving his family. And as he's talking, um, we get scenes of Rick putting back on his, or a police uniform, not his, cause I don't think he has his original one anymore. No, he hasn't been carrying that around. No, that'd be crazy. Um, he, he walks by, well, actually it would be that crazy. I mean, it is clothing and you don't want to throw away perfectly good clothing. But he's not wearing it. No. And it's not like he's packing it around, uh, on the off chance that maybe somebody will want him to be a police officer again. No, no, I know. I'm just saying that if you have clothes that are good and quality and not dirty, you might as well keep them around. Well, yeah, but I would do that, but I'd be wearing them. You'd probably be wearing them. That's right. Yeah. Anyways, he's putting on this police uniform. He comes downstairs. He walks past the whole group, and they all look at him and say, ooh, there's police officer Rick again. Or yeah. there's Constable Grimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he goes outside. Daryl is there, so he's out on the porch still, or again. And Daryl says, what are you, a cop again? Which is kind of funny. And uh, then Carol comes out 
and they're sort of wondering if they're staying. And she says that if they let their guard down in this place, they'll be weak. So everyone in this group, or at least the ones we've seen, are worried about them becoming weak in this sort of, you know, comfortable place that they have found to live. Yeah. And Rick says, no, it won't happen because we are hard. And he says, if they can't make this work, then we'll just take it from them. Yep. The end. So Rick is not weak. He is already thinking about overthrowing this place if they have to. Yeah. I thought he was going to say, you know, it won't make us weak. We're going to make them hard. That's what I thought he was going to, that's where I thought he was going to (laughs) go. No, I don't mean that in a sexual way. I mean that we're going to make them, uh, you know, we're going to toughen them up so that they can survive a little better. We're going to help them out in uh, in survivability. You know, that would make sense, especially given his role or his job as police officer. We're going to help them survive. We're going to teach them what it what it's actually like out there. We're going to make them hard. <laughs> Sorry, that's funny. No matter what, it's funny. Um <laughs> But that's not, he he skips right over that. And he goes straight to, if this doesn't work out, this place is is good, we're taking it. It's going to be ours. We'll just take over. There's only eight of them. There's 14 of us. (laughs) We could take over right now if you wanted. Yeah. You know? (laughs) All right. So this episode, what did you think of it? How did you like this one as it goes? You know, I've been thinking about this episode all day because I watched this last night uh, live on uh, AMC. And I've been thinking about this all day. And, you know, overall, I think I really liked it. I, I think mm-hmm. I liked it. And it was re- it really was a contrast to the world they've been living in in the last, uh, for the last couple of years or for the last five seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I liked it because it, it was a contrast and they kind of highlighted the contrasts, you know. So, we, you know, we put Carol in, uh, you know, slacks and a cardigan. And it was really weird, right? Yep. And we shaved Rick's beard off, and it was really weird. And we put a a, a sheriff's or a you know constable outfit on Rick, and it was really weird. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, a video interview process, and that was weird too. We had running water; everything was just strange, which I think uh, was really well done because it felt strange. Even though I could turn around right now and take 10 steps and I got running water and a cardigan and slacks and, uh, well, not a police uniform, but... Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, you got your police <laughs> uniform, right? No, it's a sailor's outfit. Oh, see? Right. So, you know, all these things are just normalcy in, in my life and in your life. But in this show, they really did a good job of uh, highlighting how these normal things are just weird. I fully agree with you. I I like this one too. And I didn't really realize it until it was all over or I watched it a second time and I thought about it a bit. And you're right. It was all these normal things that presented on this show um, felt strange. And they did a good job of that. And along those lines, I, I made a note here that I thought they did a great job of making the audience like you and me and all the other people watching it for, sort of feel as skeptical and confused as our characters did, right? Yeah. People, they, they don't know what to think about Alexandria. They don't know what to think about the people that are there. And, you know, they've realized that they are complacent and a little bit weak in this universe, but they don't really know what to make of all of this quite yet. And I felt that watching it. And I think they did a good job of having 
us really or portraying to the the audience what the characters in the show were feeling. Right. So I think that was really good. And at the same time, I think it just opened up a lot of interesting questions. You know, can we trust everyone here? Is what's with Deanna? Is she really just a, a good person who's trying to help people? You know, what kind of leader is she? Um, you know, why is, why is she so ready to, to bring these people in even kind of over her own people, which might've been there as a group for two years now or more. So she probably knows that they're all relaxed and complacent. And these people have been surviving in much worse conditions than them for two years. She knows, she recognizes how much they, they need this group. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and you know, I don't know that anyone else in Alexandria really feels that way yet, even even though it doesn't seem like there's anyone else around. But um, I think that's I think that's probably what is going to make Deanna a good leader. She recognizes their shortcomings, and she's like, "We got to get these people to help us out because this lifestyle can't last forever." Yeah. Um, and then then the other question is just what's the deal with Jesse's weird husband? Um, I imagine that'll play out over the next few episodes, even if he's, he's just a porch sitting smoking guy. I mean, I've been that guy. Yeah, you I... know, you go out for a smoke. It's it you know it's dark out. You're bored. You go sit on the front porch and you have a couple of cigarettes and you just enjoy the evening. Right, but I, I I've been that guy. Sure, I, I totally. But he was just creepy, and I think they're setting up a confrontation between him and Rick uh, because he's going to become. He's going to become maybe a jealous husband. I don't know. Oh, yeah. He's going to be that jealous husband guy that uh, goes after Rick, and Rick's going to have to beat the living crap out of him. That'll happen, I'm sure. But you're right. I like this episode a lot, too, even though while I was watching it, I I wasn't sure. But when it was all said and done, I decided I think they did a really good job. The only thing, and I've already mentioned, is that I didn't really get the feeling that Alexandria was populated at all. It felt like... There was these small group of people that we met, and there was nobody else around. Right. I would have just liked to have more background people, but maybe they'll flesh that out. You know, I I expect I expect the show to take place here for a little bit, a little while, so we'll probably get the the place fleshed out a little bit more. Yeah, hopefully. Anyways, good episode. Uh, I am happy about it, and I also feel like you know it's it's a turning point for this show, especially if they end up staying in Alexandria for a while. I mean, I know shit's going to go down, but they're not on the road. They're not, you know, being chased by someone. They're not going somewhere that we think might be full of cannibals or whatever. You know, they're, they've gotten to somewhere which seems like home, seems like a nice place. Yeah, maybe they're all cannibals. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing, you know, we don't know that yet. We don't know that they're not cannibals. That's true. We don't know that they're not cannibals. Maybe they just are doing different things differently than Terminus instead of just, you know, putting them in a train car and then bringing them through a, a you know, a cattle processing plant. Uh, that they bring them in, they welcome them, and then they uh, stab them in their sleep one at a time. Yeah. Oh, Rick went missing. Make them. Anyway, barbecue. <laughs> anyway, have some food. Yeah. Yes. Maybe they make them feel all comfortable and then bring them into the slaughterhouse. Yeah. No, no cannibals this time. If they do cannibals again, that'll be crazy. If there's cannibals, I quit. <laughs> and I don't want you to quit. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's great. If you guys uh, have some feelings about this episode, which I'm sure you do, send in your calls and your emails, and uh, we will get back to you or do our feedback show on Wednesday about this episode. Before that, though, we have to get to holy crap, and uh, that comes right after this short break. Stay with us.
The Talking Dead is an award-nominated podcast that is completely <laughs> is completely supported by you, the listeners. We appreciate everyone that uh, offers to help out. And the two best ways to do that, Jason, do you want to tell people what the two best ways are to help out? Well, there's Patreon. There is. Page- which is a great way to help out, keep the lights on and the mics hot. And then there's uh, the Amazon links. That's correct. If you want to use our Amazon links, visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the country of your choice. When you do all your shopping at Amazon, then a small cut comes back our way and we very much appreciate it. And uh, you're really just taking money away from Amazon and giving it to us. <laughs> <laughs> which is great which is fantastic and it doesn't yeah. cost you an extra cent to make your purchases and we really appreciate it and patreon is patreon.com slash the talking dead where you can make a small monthly pledge to help out with the costs of putting on this podcast and uh, there are different levels of support you can choose anywhere from a dollar a month which is almost nothing up to ten dollars or more per month and the higher you go there are some fancy rewards like unique one-of-a-kind zombie illustrations done by friend of the show Dave that we will send you and you can treasure forever. To find out more about that, visit patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. Thanks to everyone who helps out. It makes doing this podcast great fun and we appreciate everyone's support. It's time for the segment we like to call Holy Crap, Did You See That? And I haven't said it in a long time, so just in case there are any new listeners out there or people wondering, what the hell is this all about? The idea is that you can send in little quick moments from the show that kind of made you say, holy crap, did you see that? To whoever you were watching it with. Just things that jumped out at you or stuck out or just surprised you while you were watching The Walking Dead. I think it's fun to pull these out and uh, make note of them. Yeah. So here we go. Our first one comes from Christian in Gothenburg, Sweden. And Christian says, My holy crap, did you see that moment from this episode? Was baby Judith in the scene where they enter Alexandria for the first time? I thought they had used some kind of doll at first. She was just hanging over Rick's arm like a sack of flour. (laughs) Man, they have found (laughs) the most practical baby actor there is. She's a cute baby. She really is. She is a cute pair of twins actually yeah um well yeah they they obviously all all baby actors are twins yeah i'm pretty sure they did a good job picking that baby because she does seem or they seem to be very uh even tempered but i think when one cries they just swap out for the other one and well that's why you have twins that's right 
That's yeah, you just they're just hot swappable babies. It's perfect. That's what you need. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we have uh, Jessica on Long Island. Holy crap, Michonne picked up some Dostoevsky. A little light <laughs> reading for the zombie apocalypse. Some Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. Is that how you pronounce that? Uh, not quite, but close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'm not going to say I'm a Russian pronunciation expert. Uh, but yeah, it was, what was it, War and Peace? War, uh, crime and Punishment. Crime and Punishment. Yes, yeah. Crime and Punishment. Ro- Ro- uh, War and Peace would be a hell of a lot thicker than the book she had. Well, either way, there's some heavy-duty reading. I haven't read... Crime and punishment, but maybe I will someday. Uh, Justine from the internet. Holy crap, did you see that they shaved Rick's beard off, which was totally unnecessary, but they didn't cut Carl's hair, which is becoming an emergency. (laughs) (laughs) Also, holy crap, Daryl, take a shower. He must smell horrid. Why won't that man bathe? Because <laughs> bathing makes you weak. He's got he's got the Samson thing going on. Oh, he wants to stay dirty. Wants to stay dirty because he's got to he's got to stay tough. Yeah, that's true. A lot of people sent in the uh, the fact that Rick shaved his beard off because he's had it for so long. So uh, thank you to everyone um, who sent that in. It was he's grown it back though. Did you notice he had fuzz the next day? So uh, I think the beard is coming back. I think that was just a temporary clean shaven kind of thing. Well, I think he needs a little stubble. He needs a little manly five o'clock shadow. So he's going to let it grow a little. I don't think we're ever going to get like full on mega beard. At least not until they, you know, think screw things up and are back on the road again. But uh, I think he's going to have he's going to have a little bit of facial hair there. Right. All right, so next we have Angie in Birmingham. Andrew Lincoln's shower scene. Thank you, Walking Dead. There you go. Angie sent in a bunch, but that was kind of my favorite. It was the, sort of a unique one, too. Andrew Lincoln in the shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donnie in Suffolk, Virginia. Did you notice the tattoo on the lady cutting Rick's hair? It was an owl. She mentioned later in the show when Rick was looking for Carl and Judith that Rick had ran into her owl sculpture she was making for the boys. Uh, may or may not have some meaning. Still not trusting them just yet. I think it's the uh, the community spirit animal. Ooh, right. Either be, that or like watchful. Either that or like you said earlier, she's the community owl maker, or what was it? Yeah, she might be the owl maker. Owl owl sculpturist. I'm not even <laughs> sure that's a word, but it sounds right. I'm glad the uh, the spirit animal wasn't the possum, because if that was, uh, then the first thing. Uh, Daryl did was kill their spirit animal, which would have sucked. Yeah, it would have not gone over that well. Yeah. Next, we have a friend of the show, Adam. Holy crap, did you see that? Officer Rick Grimes is back. I loved, loved, loved that. I lo- <laughs> also loved him his om- ominous comment at the end. If they can't make it, then we'll just take this place. They should have made it rhyme. If they can't make it, we're going to take it. <laughs> yeah, because then it could have been a campaign slogan. That's right. That's right. For Rick, the when he runs for office next episode. Frank on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see that? Governor Rick. He's saying they'll take Alexandria. Well, isn't that what the governor did? Or, okay, he didn't take Woodbury, but he eliminated threats before other groups tried to take Woodbury from him. Rick is becoming that which he once despised. Yeah, we just need fish tanks full of zombie heads and we're all set. All set. Maybe that's and coming. And guns hidden everywhere. Well, that's Rick's Blenders, thing. Blenders, microwaves, back of the toilet tanks, all kinds of good places. <laughs> everywhere. If you can put a gun in it, Rick's going to do it. Yeah. Damn right. <laughs> all right. Next, we have Steve on the internet. Someone stole Rick's blender gun. Uh, who could it be and how far away are they? Is someone watching them or is it the congresswoman's douchebag son? 
I don't know. We're going to find out, I hope. I mean... They can't. I think someone's watching them. I think someone was watching them the whole time on their uh, on their way up to Alexandria. Saw him put the gun in the blender and said, "Well, we can't just have random guns sitting in blenders. We need to take that gun and put a zombie underneath this pile in case he comes back." Okay, but Aaron was watching them. Do you think someone was watching Aaron watching them? I think that they have somebody on patrol on a regular basis around the place, and I think that uh, somebody spotted them doing that. So it's so it's other residents of Alexandria. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, or the three people that she banished a little while ago. Maybe they've got a a revenge group going on. Could be and that now they have a gun. I don't think the timing is right. But what about Morgan? No, Morgan can't be there yet. They drove, and Morgan's got to walk, and he was months behind them. He was. That's what I mean. The timing isn't right, but maybe he found a helicopter and. You'll be able to fly it over. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know. Um, speaking of Morgan, though, he better show up again this season. They're not going to leave us hanging, are they? Oh, God, yeah. No, they're going to show Morgan again. They can't. He'll show up in the in the season finale, if anything. Well, that's fine. I'm okay with that. I just want him to show up at all. I don't want him to be like Mystery Morgan, not coming back till season six. Oh, we're going to see it at the end of the uh, the season finale. He's going to come over a hill and see Alexandria from the distance, and it's just going to be a backlit shot of him standing on a hill with his cape blowing in the wind, uh, you know, overlooking the town. And can that, will, will Alexandria be on fire? Oh, probably. Now that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> probably. I don't know. Um, next, we've got Rich from Edison, New Jersey. Rich said, holy crap, did you see the look on Maggie's face after Glenn clocked that guy? Somebody's getting lucky tonight. (laughs) She did. All right. She had a big smile on her face during that scene. I liked it. Yeah, it was good. Next, we have uh, Charles in San Francisco. Did you see the figure in the background near the walls about 22 minutes behind Rick? Uh, Rick thinks Carl and Immortal Baby have disappeared, and behind him to the left, it looks like a walker is moseying around the fence. Yeah. 22-minute mark of the episode. It's when Rick comes out. I went and checked. It's when he comes out and can't find everyone and gets all panicked. Yep. He runs up towards the camera. There is somebody walking. It's the lady walking the dog. Walking around in the back. It looks weird, though. It's the lady walking the dog. I saw a figure that looked like the, looked like a dog, so it's the dog walking lady. Okay. I didn't necessarily see the dog, but I agree with Charles. I thought it looked weird. It looked like someone stumbling around back there. It, it looked like uh, it was. It looked like she was walking the dog, and she went back and got the dog. There was like some kind of interaction between her and the dog. So it's not a. It's not a walker. It's the lady walking the dog. Well, I, I, I was pretty sure it wasn't a walker, but I thought it might be like some extra who got in the shot or something. But oh, maybe it was the extra in charge. Maybe it was the the dog trainer. But that was like the one scene where you see somebody in the background. Maybe not the one scene, but it was the one. It was. Obviously someone there, and I didn't even notice it. So they needed to put people a little more prominently in the background. Yeah. You know, doing stuff. Uh, Matt in Dallas, Texas. My holy crap, did you see that moment? Was all Carol. Did you see her go from badass, I'll kill your whole family, Carol, to senior citizen Mr. Rogers' neighborhood sweater, Carol? Yeah. She's playing a part. She's doing a bit. It is. It's an awesome bit. I think it's going to pay off big. Me too. All right, we have uh, Jason in D.C. My holy crap, did you see that moment was that lady standing in front of the gun cart. 
While Rick and the crew were turning their weapons in at Alexandria, a woman was standing directly in front of the gun cart where they were depositing the weapons. Many of the weapons were pointed directly at her, and I was a bit nervous that one of the guns might go off, especially as Carol basically dropped her rifle on the pile of guns. Yeah, it's like, here's this giant rifle. Throw it on. I mean... It seemed a little unwieldy for her. Was she doing that on purpose? That was part of her thing. That was part of her thing, and she just kind of slapped it down on top of the uh, yeah on top of the pile. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully, they safed all the weapons before they started doing that. But you know, generally speaking, they don't go off that easy. Like you don't if you drop a, a handgun on the ground, it doesn't go off necessarily. Except, except in movies and TV well, shows. Oh, yeah, this is a TV show, so who the hell knows? You got to be careful. Um, but no, that was part of her shtick. That was part of her thing. It's like, oh, I've been carrying this giant rifle around, and all so I want to do is cook for old people. So. She's basically Wonder Woman that'll save the day if everybody else is captured. That's right. She'll take all y'all out, betcha. We know that already. Uh, Jedi Mark in Chicago says, My holy crap moment is something that links this episode together with the last one, The Distance. It's still stuck in your head, eh? Yep. <laughs> now it Damn is. Right. As soon as you say it, it goes right in. It just starts playing. <laughs> the phrase, the distance, is going to come up in every single podcast from here to eternity, I think. Yeah. I've also had Uptown Funk going through my head for quite a bit for the last couple of weeks. Well, that's good, man. I don't know what's worse. Uh, like Uptown Funk. Jedi Mark continues, when Rick hides the gun in the blender, carved into the handle was a giant letter J. Now with the gun missing, I'm positive we will be seeing that J again to help identify who stole it? John, Jack, Jacob. There's no reason to have a giant J on a gun if you're not going to pay that off somewhere later. That's true. All right, next we have Stephen in Long Beach, California. My holy crap this week may have gone unnoticed by most, but when Rick and a couple of others were checking out the houses, the camera does an overhead shot showing both houses, and if you pay attention to the house on the left, there is a rather large pool of blood right on the porch where Daryl had cleaned the uh, possum earlier. I thought it was nice contrast showing the group is still a bit wild compared to the pristine houses and the rest of the community. Daryl could give two shits about the house's curb appeal. Right. And I didn't even notice the blood pool, but it's, it's one, it's just good continuity, right? He was skinning that sucker and now there's a big pile of blood there, which makes sense. Yeah. And I think Stephen makes a really good point. There's a good contrast here between sort of the animal-like nature of our group of characters versus yeah. the civilized nature of everyone living at Alexandria. Oh, yeah. And I've uh, I've actually experienced this firsthand living in uh, Sault Ste. Marie and uh, living with people that generally don't live in town and then other people that do live in town and how there is definitely, definitely a contrast between the two. And some people who don't live in town come to town, they just don't give a shit about what is normal in town. (laughs) Well, what are you trying to say about people that don't live in town? I was one of those people that didn't live in town, and I didn't give a flying anything about what the hell was going on. And I I shocked a couple of, because I moved from on the outskirts of town to in town, and uh, it was different. Because I lived on a farm. I didn't work the farm, but the house we rented was on a farm. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of time in the bush for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden we moved into town, and uh, I shocked friends. And you were just this uncivilized bush child. That's right. That... <laughs> Ran around with his pants off all the time. Barely tame. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Couldn't yeah. could hardly speak a language. Yeah. <laughs> so I've seen that, and that's a it's a really good contrast. They really aren't uh, housebroken yet. No, especially Daryl. Especially Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Justine in California. 
holy crap, did you see Father Gabriel in the last episode? Because I sure didn't. He was in the background of one shot right at the beginning. <laughs> uh, well, barely barely there at all. He walked through the gate and then disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, uh, like, there was a lot of uh, a lot of the cast didn't have speaking parts this episode. True. Uh, do you think the actors get paid less if they don't talk? No. I think extras get paid less if they don't talk because they're extras. You're like a non-speaking extra or a speaking extra or a background zombie or whatever or a hero zombie, but... I think the main actors all have regular contracts and they get paid the same per episode whether they're talking or not. So the guy that plays Father Gabriel, he just kind of shows up this episode. They put on makeup and he goes and stands there and they go, okay, cut. For you, that's a wrap. It's like, all right, see you later. I'll be in my trailer. I think so, yeah. Awesome. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they negotiate different pay structures for participation in episodes. Like you have to be in X number of scenes or a certain percentage of it or something, but... I'd be surprised. I figure they just get all paid for being there. Yeah. They just get a letter workload for that particular couple of weeks. That's right. Filming. And then later on, they'll have a heavier workload. It all evens out in the end. Right. All right. So we have uh, Chad in Madison, Wisconsin. That zombie that pops out of the junk pile and grabs Rick's leg. Came out of nowhere. I didn't see it coming. I think that was a booby trap zombie. I think whoever took the gun booby trapped that pile with the zombie. Really? Yeah. So Rick's going to come back, look for his gun, and then a zombie's going to crawl out from underneath. That's right. That seems like a lot to set up. It does. But what are you going to do? I mean, you you know, if you pile a bunch of crap on top of a zombie, he's going to stay there, right? Well, you'd think so (laughs) until he hears (laughs) something out there, yeah. All right. um, Austin in Tennessee, this is a phone call. Holy crap. Did you see that? Tara pulling the skin off the walker? That was freaking awesome. (laughs) It was. Thank you, Austin. That was freaking awesome. It was pretty gross. It was uh, It was definitely the zombie gore moment of the week, just yanking yeah. that skin right off. It was nasty. Yeah. So we have uh, Michael from London on a similar vein. Holy crap, did you see the way that skin came off the zombie's back like a roast chicken? Next time I'm around <laughs> my mom's for Sunday tea, I'll make sure I have the vegetarian option. Right. I wanted to include that because I thought it was funny how he compared it to roast chicken. Yeah. <laughs> and then going to his mom's for Sunday tea. Well, I think it's really nice that your mom uh, offers a vegetarian os- option for Sunday tea. My mom wouldn't. No. I'm, she'd be like, you eat what I give you. I'm making this lasagna. It's a meat lasagna. And you're going to like it. it. You're going to No, it's not even that. It's just that that's the way it is. There's right. meat lasagna. That's what we're having. Right. So that's nice that your mom would make a, a, a vegetarian option. Well, that's very good. And that's it for Holy Crap, Did You See That? Now, before we wrap up today, Jason, I remembered that I was going to talk about something before we did the recap, and then I forgot after the recap. Yeah, you wanted me to remind you. Thanks for reminding me, first of all. No problem. And uh, what it is, is that I wanted to let people know that they've gotten to Alexandria now, and this is, you know, from the comic. Alexandria does exist in the comic, and I'm not going to spoil it or anything like that. I'm not going to talk about it. And the main thing I wanted to just say is this section, I think, of the Walking Dead comic is the section that I have the least vivid memories of for some reason. Okay. And I've only read this section of the comic once, whereas the rest of it I've read, well, most of it at least twice. Like the beginning, 
um, up through the farm and the prison and things like that. I've read two or three times, actually. So I have definitely more clear memories of that in my head. Right. Alexandria, I've just read the once. It was a while ago, you know, when they when they got there. So I don't have as good memories of it. So what I wanted to just say is that if anyone thinks we're we're ignoring what happens in the comic or we're not talking about how these characters in the TV show are the same or different from characters in the comic, which to be fair, isn't something we do very often anyways. But I just want to say that I don't think I could even do it if I wanted to, because I don't remember the characters that were in Alexandria in the comic, like um, with any degree of clarity, certainly not enough to sort of compare them with who we're meeting on the show. Right. Okay. So I don't know about you if you've read it more than once or if it was recent in your mind or anything like that, but... Um, I uh, neither actually. It's uh, I've read it once and only up to issue one hundred. Right. So you're you're not even fully caught up on the comic, but no. for me, I am caught up. But I, you know, I know what's going on right now. But there's a big stretch there in the middle. There were parts of the Walking Dead comic that I didn't love, to be to be honest with everyone. And so I didn't was never really inclined to go back. And reread it like I was sort of from the beginning and so on. So anyways, just in case anyone is wondering why we aren't sort of saying when this character was in the comic and they were related or whatnot and so on, um, it's because I just don't remember it very well, frankly. And I feel okay about that because for, for the first time in a while, I'm experiencing the show without the events of the comic in the back of my mind all the time. And I'm enjoying it. I'm liking that more than I did when I sort of had a better idea of what was going on. Right. So I'm not going to stop reading the comic, but um, it's just we happen to have gotten to a point where it's uh, it's not as fresh in my mind anyways. Well, that's good. Yeah. I, I think it's an exciting time for your uh, lack of memory. It is. It really is. I don't remember anything, and it feels good. Good. All right. And on that note, I think we'll wrap it up. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Send your feedback in for our feedback show on uh, Wednesday this week. And you can give us a call, 1-844-483-9662. That's a toll-free number. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. We have been nominated for a podcast award, everyone, so voting starts tomorrow, March 3rd. Please, please, please go and vote for us. We'd really super appreciate it, and uh, if we win, it will be the most exciting thing that's ever happened in my life. I don't know about you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right. You know, we've both gotten married. I've had children, but forget all that. I want a podcast award. (laughs) Screw all that (laughs) crap. Yeah, exactly. Um, so podcastawards.com starting tomorrow. I don't know if it starts at midnight tonight or at some point tomorrow, but, uh, check it out and vote for us. I'll remind you in every show and on Facebook, hopefully it doesn't become too annoying. And our Ask Us Anything podcast, we're going to talk about soon. Well, probably right now and decide when it's going to be. So maybe on Wednesday, we'll announce when that is going to be and remind you how you can send your questions in for us. So that should be fun. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. So that's going to wrap things up. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.